alright I wish I could just say how you're getting on but I can't like I want to drop this whole bit basically if you're new to the pod I have this whole bit my famous catchphrase alright how you getting on that soon hopefully sooner than you think I'll be walking out of the stage in EP and I'll be like alright how you getting on but I can't not, not while COVID is still around I've like you know Colin Kaepernick taking the knee I have decided to park my famous catchphrase until they get rid of this blasted COVID thing. And instead, I'm revealing secrets about myself. Look, if you can make one small change. <laughs> no, it's a stupid bit. And I'm going to get rid of it. But, um, well, actually, here's a secret for you. This podcast is a Patreon podcast. This was formerly an exclusive podcast just for patrons only. As you might know, I do this podcast once a week. It comes out on Tuesday. And on Friday, there's another podcast that if you pay, you know, essentially like one euro 25 per pod that's pretty much what it is uh, you can get essentially for a fiver for extra pots uh, a month and this was one of them and this one got pretty good feedback and um it's kind of a it's kind of a sequel to a previous pod that I did back in February of 2020 that was a, a popular one as well about shit jobs not because the jobs are shit but because I was shit at jobs right just make that clear any of the jobs or careers that I mentioned are not shit careers they're just I have been very shit at a lot of jobs I've been sacked from a lot of jobs and I've been really bad at a lot of interviews so this is a uh, this is a recap of those interviews and it's very rare I always say on this pod that you know this one is fucking raw but this one truly was is in I just didn't even pause for the intro uh, music I just because I was I was in the pocket talking about all the shit interviews I've done and it was a funny one and it was um yeah, got some good feedback. So, as I like to do, give you a taste of what you can get over on the Patreon. Uh, and also give me a bit of a break, you know, from doing two podcasts every week um, for a year. Um, so, look, I hope you enjoy this. And before you listen to it, I would like to say as well that this podcast is sponsored by the Dubliner Irish Whiskey. Look, I could tell you all about the Dubliner. I could tell you all about the, the the bourbon casks. I could tell you all about how they're a cool, disruptive distillery out of the heart of the Liberties and they got a cool new sexy bottle. Looks like something out of fucking Bergheim and how awesome that is. Um, Heim. <laughs> Hein? Bergheim. I've never been. But um, I could tell you all this Ich bin ein Dubliner stuff. I could tell you all that. But how about I tell you something you don't know? And that's how I've been personally enjoying the Dubliner Irish whiskey. This is how I've been enjoying it. Do you know what me and Terry had the other day? Whiskey and ginger ales. Sorry, what? Whiskey and ginger ale. What are you, a 23-year-old student who doesn't have enough money skiving off free drinks at an art gallery? Yeah, apparently. We haven't had that in years. And it was great. It was delicious. Just one little jigger, one little measure of um, Dubliner Irish whiskey. A ginger ale of your choice. Any brand will do. A uh, load of ice. Squeeze a lemon. And his, this is what took it to the next level. Squeeze a lime. Terry didn't know what she was having. She's like, what even is this? And I'm like, I'm not telling you. She's like, this is the t-. She literally said, this is the tastiest cocktail you've ever made me. This is the tastiest cocktail I've had all year. Well, hey, baby, just whiskey. Whiskey and ginger ale, baby. And it honestly felt like th- there's been, I've, I've done a lot in terms of like cans to replicate pints, natural wines, uh, cocktails. But actually drinking this felt the closest to being in like a pub, like a gap pub, where you're like, what do you have? Ginger ale. <laughs> All right, cool, whatever. Let's give it a go. And it was tasty. It was delicious. But of course, there's a lot of cocktails you can do with this fine whiskey, and I will be covering them next month because it's Eurovision month. So I'm looking at cocktails across Europe, and I'll be telling you what tasty cocktails you can drink at the start of each pod. But enough of that right now. Please enjoy this follow-up to my Shit Jobs episode, Shit Jobs 2, 
on the Tony Cantwell Shit Show. All the best. All right. All right. <laughs> the Honourable Judge Rinder is in session. Um, I don't watch Judge Rinder. Um, my man watches it. My man watches all that stuff. Um, I mean, a lot of people do. Most people do. Um, you know, I feel like my man watches all my my man watches all the shows that are like, you know, carnival games that have been turned into like a competitive game show. Like she watches like live pachinko machines of things, ding 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 ding, and then it goes into the fucking, you know, the coin slot thing, and then it's like the, the sliding shelf. She loves that. Um, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if I walked into a mascaf. And I just saw, I just saw her watching, uh, like a giant robotic hand flipping beer mats, hosted by Bradley Walsh. You know, oh, you couldn't make the two. <laughs> you know, all that sort of stuff. You know, balance a balance a twenty p coin on a floating lemon. You know, with um, the magician fella Simon. I don't know who anyone is. You know your man, little Q fella, little Qy. Hey, you can make it. You can fucking pull a rabbit out of a hat. You can pull a bloody. You know what I mean. Smile on my face because you're a good looking young fella, even though you're like, you know, oh, what's his name? Hang on. Talking with yourself there. Magician fella, Simon. What's his name? TV, TV's magician. He does. He does um, catchphrase now. Simon. TV magician, Simon. No. Talk amongst yourselves there. Catchphrase host. Uh, Stephen Mulhern. <laughs> Yeah. Welcome to Sour Lemons. I'm Stephen Mulhern. Can the 20p be... <laughs> that was the thing. We went to the... Um, when we and my friends went to London for the first time, went to the Old Blue Last. The Old Blue Last in Shoreditch, which was a place, which was a bar owned by Vice Magazine. Maybe you heard of it. Okay. And we went in there and I must have spent 20 quid trying to get a free drink by balancing a 20p coin on a lemon. Can't be done. Especially not their lemons. Uh, if you gave me a fine, I don't know, octagonal lemon or whatever. What, what is an octagon when it's in 3D? <laughs> Sorry, talk amongst yourself there for a second. I'm sure you want to know as well. Octagon, uh, 3D octagon name, shape now. Octagon shape, name. Um... No, I don't want it flat on the top. I want it round on the top. I want it kind of all, all eights and some, all. <laughs> it's given me basically like the UFC octagon, which is the floor and the top. But I want it all the way around. Do you know what I mean? I want it all the way around, not just the sides being round. <laughs> As you can tell, here's the chicken to tell you what I have prepared for this episode. Fuck! He's really reaching on this one. I keep keep it fucking down. No look. Um. Well, actually, I didn't even start off by telling you a little secret about myself. Hi, how's it going? My name's Tony Cantwell. A little secret about me is uh, this shirt's a blouse. <laughs> it's not really a man's shirt. It's a blouse. Um. I'm not even wearing a shirt. No, that was a secret. That was a secret. Do you know what? Actually, do you know what? I used to feel embarrassed about this, right? Fuck them. And I'll tell you what I'm talking about now. I went to get a job in Lush before, right? I wanted to get a job in Lush with the bath bombs um, and all that and the nice smelling soap. Um, and I always just, you'd walk by Lush and everyone would be like, hi, do you want to try soap? And you're like, it's, 
And I really was attracted. I was like, wow, extroverts like myself, except we're there trying to, you know, um, you know, (laughs) just kind of trying to excite people with soap. I would be at, you know, 15 with my mates, um, you know, extending out my 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 (laughs) my testicles to make my make my penis look like a Dumbo elephant. You know what I mean? Like those sort of tricks you do as a child. You know, that you can't do anymore. <laughs> then I would be like, now look, that's just a maybe a, that's there. I'm extroverted by doing that, by saying, hey, Rrr! you know, trying to scare my friends by pulling the, honestly, pulling the testicles, the 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 kind of, the, the what's the scrotum? The scrotum out and having the penis look like an elephant's uh, trunk. Um, and do, do, and I was just, that's me being an extrovert, you know? Hey, um, you know, like I'm a Temple Bar, free hugs. I'd, I'd, you know, write fucking Nirvana on my hand, you know, with a Sharpie. That sort of extrovert sort of stuff. But now I'd see someone trying to sell me soap and be like, hey, you're an extrovert like me, you know? We're one of the same. Maybe, maybe this wild, this wild, untamed fucking spirit of extroversion. Wish I got a job in extroversion. Extroversion. Uh, it, you know, should maybe maybe that focused into selling soap, I could be the best lush man um, that they've ever seen, that they've ever had. I could be fucking like the Willy Wonka of soap. <laughs> you know, lick it. Doesn't it taste like soap? Aren't you all blind now? <laughs> you shouldn't eat soap. You shouldn't eat soap. I'll think of a better song later. Um, you know what I mean? So I went in there thinking, right, I am going to be the wildest fucking <laughs> soap salesman they've ever seen. And um, of course, I was very timid, but like it was all in my head. I was like, wait, I'm going to come out with a fucking zinger now. So I decided what I was going to do just to be weird is I was going to go in there. Um, and this is not even weird. I, ha- I had a blouse. <laughs> I had a blouse that was more form-fitting to me. Uh, I, I I mean, could have bought smaller clothes, but there was a trend when I were 15 and 16 to shop to buy women's clothes. Women's jeans and pennies, um, women's um, T-shirts, uh, before they got the extra small, even though I've never been an extra small. Are you joking me? Fucking barrel on me fucking Bluto chest that I have. I've never been an extra small. But... Um, what I was saying, yeah, you would just buy women's clothes. So I would go into pennies and I'd buy um, just a bit more of a fancier blouse that you couldn't get in a man's shirt and pennies. So I would get a blouse, like a floral blouse, and I'd wear the blouse. And it would look good, apart from the fact that it would kind of cinch in, <laughs> cinch in my fucking, of my hips. It would kind of cinch in and then kind of go out. And also the thing about blouses are um, they're not normally tucked in. So the buttons do not go all the way down. The buttons, there's like three buttons. You're only you're only ever three buttons deep on a blouse. It's trying to give you, and also there's like a, an extra, just, just it's just not meant to fit you. There's extra space for your chest that's meant to be cleavage. There's It's meant to kind of flow out So because it's not tucked in. So I was basically walking around with this three button closed vest that was very tight just below my chest and belly. <laughs> I didn't look insane. I didn't look like, you know, I wasn't it didn't look like I was in the going to the fucking VMAs in like the year like 98 or anything like that. You know, you see people like what the fuck? Cover up, you know, that's a lot of midriff on show, Britney. Um but anyway, I went in there with a blouse and I was just like <laughs> they're going to see the blouse and then they're going to be like this is this guy's our style. Uh this guy's our uh rollover 
for the goat, for the king. Roll out the purple carpet and look at this man in a blouse, pretend to do a little bit of a tumble and then stand up and act like he's not crippled. Um, I'm quoting, or I'm referring to Willy Wonka here. So I went in with the, bla- anyway, look, then it came to a point where we were doing all this stuff and we, you know, tell us a bit about you, tell us a secret about you. Uh, or said, tell us two secrets uh, about you. Um, and one um, one was a, a story that I've stolen from a friend of mine, which, to be fair, I cannot tell you now because you may hear me tell it again in the future, but you can know behind the paywall that that story is stolen if it seems so insane. Actually, that's not a good way to paint this. Basically, I told the story. Basically, my friend Shane got sparked out by Tom Hanks, okay? My friend Shane got sparked out by Tom Hanks, and I have asked him on occasion if I can borrow the story. He was a child... Um, you know, he was a child. It's not my story to tell. See, it's not my story to tell. But if you ever, if you know my friend Shane, ask him, um, which you you might, you might, you might not, uh, ask him how he was sparked up by Tom Hanks as a child. I cannot, and look, you're probably like, look, now we have to hear the story. It's not my story to tell. My friend Shane got sparked up by Tom Hanks when he was just a boy, and it's not a lie. And I have co-opted. He has allowed me to co-opt that story when I've said, look, I'm going in for this interview. I don't really have a story like that. You know, now I've got stories. I didn't have stories then. Um, And he let me use it. And another one. So it was like two truths and a lie. Um, So the two truths and a lie were I was once sparked out by Tom Hanks. Um, My dad is Alan Cantwell. (laughs) And this shirt is technically a blouse. Which I thought, that's fucking, that's fucking come with me, Mr. Soap King. You know, that's fucking, that's that's next level. What's this? Oh, man, my cousin's from Derry. No, it's actually from fucking Athen Rye. Get out of here. You should not be legally allowed near extroverted people with that shite patter. So I was like, me dad's Alan Cantwell. I'm wearing a fucking blouse. And Tom Hanks sparked me out, right? And they were like, okay, so what was the um what was the lie? And I said, My dad's not Alan Cantwell. All right. And they were like, hmm. And then they didn't really react, so I didn't know what to do. And I was like, this is a blouse. And no one was no one was talking. And we were in this kind of circle. We were going around like this. So what happened was we went in for the interview and there was a load of like new recruits. I should have explained this. <laughs> Why? Why explain it? It's not even interesting. I went in and we were all kind of sitting around on the floor because we're edgy in lush, right? We're all sitting around the floor. Shop's still open. <laughs> Shop's still open. There's people walking by. People just walking up and down. And... Um, <laughs> And we're just sitting in a circle and we're like, here, I tell these two truths and a lie. And everyone's all kind of potential new recruits. We're all doing a group interview. Um, And so I said the two truths and a lie. And then I was like, oh, so what's the truth? And I'm like, my dad's not Alan Cantwell. And they didn't even give me the courtesy of being like, oh, or even just be like, oh, so wait, hang on. What happened with Tom Hanks? You know, not even that. So then I was like, this is a blouse. And then I was like, see, the button's open on the other side. No one, no one, um, like, you know what? No one even gave me the fucking curse. And there's times like that. You know, what? I want to go back. I want to quantum leap back into my body. And I want to say, you are all fucking rude people. <laughs> you are all rude people. You are going to, sorry, Tony, I'm going to take this for a second. This 16-year-old's going to go home and fucking beat himself up about this like he did something wrong. And it's yous. The state of having no personality or no fucking empathy to see this frightened child with Nirvana written on his hand wearing a fucking blouse trying to get a job. 
bit of fucking empathy. <laughs> so, um, so I didn't get the, um, so I didn't get the, I didn't get the job. I didn't get the job, and I and I beat myself up about it. You know, um, another time, another time, put in a. Oh, like I wish I, could, I wish I could kind of go back. I think it's different now. I feel like I feel like Gen Zers are kind of raised on the kind of TikTok hustle Gary V generation, where they're not just going to be like, "Sorry, are you taking CVs? Okay, here you go." I feel like they're going to be like, "Hi, I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> Can I tell you about my business and how I might be able to assist you in your business?" I'm a freelance. Um, I'm a freelance news agent. <laughs> I'm a freelance news agent, so I can 10x your 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 profits, your portfolio. They they would do shit like that. You know what I mean? Um, but back then, I was just like, I want to get a job. I want to get a job in HMV because there are CDs in there, and I want people to think that I like CDs. If I get a job in McDonald's, they're going to think all I do is like McDonald's. Your job is 100% who you are. And now I realize I would have fucking loved working McDonald's. I'd love to work McDonald's now. They give you free McDonald's in McDonald's. I'd go in there. I'd be cooking, making Big Macs. I'd learn how to make a Big Mac. I didn't even know how to make a fucking sandwich then. I would have, I would have you know, billions of dollars of resources put into my focus on how I can be the better version of myself. I would have had, at the age of 16... Rather than at the age of 26, someone telling me, do you know what, Tony, you did a good job because I trained you in how to do a good job. You just did a good job. You're actually good at this. And maybe you can carry on that confidence into another aspect of your career, your life. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, so I didn't get that one. I was always trying to get a job in HMV. Um, a thing I used to do, I, I'd put, um, I, I I had a couple of good, uh, look, I, I did actually stand out a bit with my CVs. I had one where I, I just... Um, stapled a load of minstrels, uh, a bag of minstrels, not loose minstrels. They crush. I, I, I try to staple a loose minstrel and a Malteser onto a, a, a CV and then it just was crushed. And then I said, comets. This is a comet. <laughs> this is where a comet attacked the CV. I'm kooky and I'm weird. That's why there's no dinosaurs on this CV because a comet attacked the CV. See, this is just me ad-libbing. <laughs> this genius stuff that I'm saying here is me ad-libbing. Um, no, but I did that. I put a bag of minstrels on. That got me an interview in Top Man. Um, and again, Top Man was just like, I don't like clothes. <laughs> I don't spend any money on clothes. Fashion is not very important to me. But I need anyone who fucking asks me that what my job is to be like Top Man so that you think I'm in the band. We are scientists. I need you to think that I might be confused for someone in the Claxons. Because I work in a shop that gives you skinnier jeans. I need you to think, because I work downstairs in Forbidden Planet, that I am an artist and a writer because I read things that are down there. That's what I need you to think because I work there, you moron. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Rather than just, I had a cushy job in the news agents. I never once thought about how I could be a better news agent than the news agents I worked in Rohini, in Barrett's, in Rohini. But I'm all over the place. I handed in a CV to HMV um, and I didn't hear back. And I kind of felt bad um, because actually it was my mate Shane who did get, act, genuinely get sparked out by the actor Tom Hanks. He was, he, a child, was punched full force in the face by the actor 
well-known nice man Tom Hanks. And again, I cannot tell you any more about that. It's not my story to tell. But if you do know him, you can ask him about it. But he worked in HMV because he was cool and he is into fashion. And I gave him uh, a CV for me and I wrote a big, long cover letter. (laughs) And I wrote a big, long cover letter about how I am HMV material, you know. And I and I and I was this big long fucking kooky bit of copy about the sort of customers I'm sure they get all the time and what I would do to correct the it was kooky and to be honest it I'm sure it was I'm sure it was hilarious and I'm sure it was fun but where it landed was definitely on the desk of people who and I'm not having a go uh, at anyone but people who definitely were too insecure for sincere laws on a CV. <laughs> or I didn't match the or or I didn't I didn't fit the mold that they were looking for in HMV. But I look back a lot on, on all these jobs that I worked in that were just not I was not suited for at all. I was not suited for I'm not I'm not exactly you know, I should have worked in a certain well no, it wouldn't have been very good. Well maybe had there been like a small pub. I did work in the pub. I worked in a pub, I think I told you about this in my shit jobs um episode. I worked in a pub in the watermill in Rohini and I was collecting glasses collecting all the glasses I've also just hated jobs because I've never been able to let, let my hair down like literally I've had to wear it in like nets I've had to wear my hair in nets made to me feel like a freak and like <laughs> and like I know like it's only fucking hair do you know I know some people who don't even eat food that fell in their beard because they're like hair Hair is gross. They won't even eat food that fell in their beard. I would eat a fucking taco fries out of my chest. So me putting a hairnet on me just makes makes me think you think that I'm dirty. And I'm not dirty. I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm not, you know, I'm not immaculate, but I, you know, I don't smell. <laughs> I tell you, once I was on, I'm letting it all fucking fly out, hang out uh, today. Um... I'll tell you this. I might elaborate this on 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 this further, um, but I was on the telly before, and this was not this was not um, this was not clear history. Um, everyone there was phenomenal, and everyone in North, you know the the production can, production team, Kite Entertainment, were were a delight to work for, uh, work with. Hey, when you when it's family, you never work a day in your life, okay? Um, but there was something I I appeared on TV for, and the day before there was kind of like a bit of an induction. And I actually had to meet the people about it. Um, and <laughs> and before I got on the host, and they're a well-known host of TV. Um, well, they're all right. I'm not having a go. Again, I'm not having a dig at them. But you might know them. I didn't know who they were. But they've been on TV for a while. Um, they were like, so yeah, you're just going to come on. Um, and, you know, we'll we'll do our bit or whatever. You know, that. just just um, just make sure you... When you come on, just make sure you have uh, your hair is clean. And I was like, oh. and you know what as well? I, again, quantum leap me back into my body. So I'll be like, what the fuck you say? My hair clean. Do you think, do you think I, okay, do you think it looks dirty now? Is as clean as it is now appropriate enough for that? Do you want it to, how clean do you want it to look clean? Do you personally want my hair to appear like it has no product in it? Can I use something like a pro- a pomade promenade? Shows what I know about hair. Do you want me to put a fucking promenade in my hair? Middle parting. Do you want me to put pomade in my hair? What is it you're saying? 
do you think I look dirty? Did you know I was coming on? Now you've seen me and you think I'm dirty. And you know what I did? I did. I fucking, I, I had my hands. I fucking, out of spite, made my hair as filthy as I could make it. I was rubbing my hair all day. I was twiddling me fucking bangs like a Temple Bar goth all day. I was sucking on my hair. <laughs> and I was fucking, wore a hat, took it off, you know. Went, uh, you know, I was cleaning, uh, cleaned out the fucking, the, the pan with my head, you know, from the night before. And I went in there with a piggity's hair. Um, but I couldn't fucking, and clean, and clean hair as well. Uh, and when you're coming, could you just make sure your hair is clean? And I'm like, is this some kind of fucking Irish TV lingo that I'm not au fait with? Someday I might name Jacuzzi. Um, but until that day, you know, I just want to quantum leap back in, you know, quantum leap back into an interview. Like I told you about that interview that I did, I had an interview for, um, for what was it? Was it Monkey? I think it might have been Monkey, which is a, a London brand. My friend Helen, very generously. My friend Helen is uh, an incredibly impressive, hardworking woman. And she was, when we worked in Selfridges, we were trying to sell cameras, me and my friends. We were trying to sell cameras, uh, lamography cameras. Um, and I think we made one sale. I made, I was privy, sorry. I'm not going to throw the other lads. The other lads were doing fine. I made one sale and it was the biggest sale because um, Selfridges, I don't know if you know, have you ever been to Selfridges in London? Um, it's fancy. It's bougie. It's like Brown Thomas on X, right? <laughs> and what you get as well, it's a tourist hub. Um, they do like you know tax free shopping and all this sort of stuff. And you get a lot of people coming in, coming in from even Dubai. You know, they they come into from Dubai to buy bougie stuff from Dubai. So a lot of time you just see these absolutely glamorous, uh, chic men, uh, who you know S H S H I C and S H. EIK as well, you know. Um, and one day we were closing up, we were on zero sales. And this rich sheik came in and uh, the sheik man, is that derogatory me just defining? This very rich man um, who was a sheik, who was a very rich sheik, uh, came in and he bought the entire table of cameras that we were selling. Lomography cameras are film cameras, um, which are a tough sell. They're a tough sell if you if if what you're purchasing is physically the camera because you want to take a film a picture on film. What you're buying with Lomography is the experience of walking into a Lomography shop, feeling like you're analog, like you're cool, like you're hip, that you're privy to the world where you're the sort of person who listens to vinyl and takes film photos, that that is just something you do. But when you're there isolated to a single iron table, that basically you could easily be doing autopsies on. Uh, but instead, you just have a load of shit cameras. <laughs> no, I don't have to go with the cameras. But we didn't necessarily make the stock look particularly nice. Um, you just have them all kind of laid out there on the middle of the table, wedged in between, you know, two. It was in the women's wear department as well. It wasn't even in the tech department. We were just literally in the middle of the, of the walkway through Selfridges. We were in the way, you know. And my friend Helen worked in Monkey. Anyway, when... When we um, when they shut down the shop, um, she tried to get me a job in, in in Monkey, and I went into this interview, and she had written this incredible letter for me because the 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 flagship store was going to be on Carnaby Street. Carnaby Street is like the man. If you fuck, if you if you know fashion, 
then you know the importance of Carnaby Street and that, you know, all, you know, it's where all the fucking mods and hippies are all walking down the 60s. It's still made out to look like that. It's made out to almost be like this tourist attraction of the main fashion, like the fucking Harajuku district in Tokyo. So we were, so <laughs> there's been no intro. There's no, I'm sorry, Tristan. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to start to continue to talk until I don't know how, if I have anything else to talk about. Um, This one is fucking raw. But anyway, I, I spilled coffee on my feet. Um, I, so we, so she wrote this incredible letter saying, you know, I, you know, underlined fill in Tony Cantwell, um, have been obsessed with underlined fashion. Um, <laughs> you know, since I can remember, Carnaby Street has been a staple. It was almost like reading there was some, read an article that a fucking dazed, um, you know, or vice. It was incredible. This prose. And I was like, oh, she wrote it for me and I handed it in. Um, and they were like, immediately they got back and be like, absolutely. You know, we know your stockroom experience, you know, um, we'd love to have you, you know. So I went in and I might have even talked about this in the pod because it was the weirdest experience ever where they were like, so why, so why do you want to work for the, you know, why do you want to work for Monkey? He was, um, so he was Scottish. He talked exactly like that, right? And he's like, why do you want to work for Monkey? <laughs> no, I'm not going to do the accent. Um, and I said, I'll just, I, I, I just love the brand, you know, I, um, and I kind of had enough in my back pocket just for this question. I was like, you know. I just really dig the, you know, the, the Scandinavian uh, aesthetic, you know. Um, I just love the tailoring of it, you know. Um, I name dropped my flatmate, who's a designer, you know, and I was like, you know, we, you know, look, I, you know, I, I help him with his tailoring and shiting on about all this stuff, saying it. So I really just love it, you know, and I just really love to, um, you know, get to move into a good, you know, decent stock room, whatever shite was shiting on about. Um, and he's like, why is it you want to work um, in this stock room? And I don't know why I said this. I was like, well, so in my last shop I worked in, it was in uh, Camden. And the the stock room was right beside the toilet. And the toilet always stunk of piss and shit. This is, And I was still talking. I'm like, why am I saying this? And it stunk of piss and shit. And I was just kind of thinking, I, I came in one day and there was an overflow of shit. And I was still saying this. It was a true story. There was an overflow of shit. And I saw all the piss and shit on the floor and I had to then clean up all the piss and shit that was on the floor and get the boxes out of the way of the piss and the shit that was there. And it stunk like piss and shit. And I remember thinking while I was there moving all these, you know, Havianas from one shelf to a top shelf uh, away from the waves and waves of piss and shit, I thought I would love to work in a stockroom that was not covered with piss and shit. (laughs) And so... And then I said, as a joke, I'm assuming your stockroom is not covered with piss and shit. And they just were not into this, whatever this was, <laughs> whatever. It, it started off genuinely not as a bit, but I think I kind of doubled down on it being a bit. Um, and then um, he was like, hmm, okay. Um, so what do you think you bring to the team? And I was like, well, look, you know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a team player. I'm good crack in the morning. I think I come in with a smile on my face every single time. Uh, and he goes, great. So what do you think you could bring to the team? And I'm like, <sighs> he literally, literally asked the same question again. What do you think he could bring to the team? And I said, well, and I was getting fucking cross with him then because I had very little patience back then. Um, well, as I said, not knowing fully that this is, this is him frustrated with me that I haven't answered the question. I said what I do. 
which I, it was a completely brand new philosophy to me until my 30s. It was like, no, how can I escort things for you? Uh, my, my, I should have said something like my organization skills have been proven because I'm a TikTok entrepreneur. They have been proven to 10x your revenue by moving shitty Havianas from one part of the stockroom to the other. I was able to quadruple X the um, whatever. Always, I'm always just saying sales, whatever. I'm punctual. And to be honest, I, I run a pretty tight ship. I can see punctuality improving within your flagship store on Carnaby Street, sir. You know, but I didn't say any of that. I just said, as I said, I always have a fuck smile on my face and it's infectious I've been told <laughs> I've been told um, and he goes great so what do you think you could bring to the team and I'm like this fucker and I was like I uh, <laughs> you know I don't know what to say um, what would I have said I think I said something like um, I'm always good for after work drinks or something you know what I mean I'm just a top buzzer, man. Look, get this through your thick fucking skull. I was going to use a uh, Scottish derogatory term there, but I won't because I would never do that. I love Scottish people. Get this through your thick fucking skull, right? I have a fucking smile on my face. I drink too much at the moment because of my age. And I want to work in a place that's not covered in piss and shit. Now, whether that's good enough for you or I'll fucking walk back to my no job. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't get that job. And then I did go, I was always trying to get to go for jobs kind of like in and around sales um, because I'm very good at talking without without knowing where it's going. <laughs> and I'm much better at doing that on the phone when I can't read your body language that you are, shoulders are moving and you want to exit this conversation. Most not particularly good at eye contact. So the phone was pretty good for that. And also, they just loved the Irish back then. <laughs> this was pre-Brexit. This was before. They still love the Irish now. But they loved hearing Irish people on the phone. So I went to go for a couple of sales jobs and I went for this really cool job. Um, and I had like, you know, two people who worked in there who were like, um, <laughs> who were like, uh, like they were good pals, but they were like senior enough in the place. And they were like, look, Tony, you just got to go and do the interview. Like we told them your sound, you know, they're kind of startup vibes. You know, they sold kind of like tech uh, software. They sold like, um, it sold like CG rendering software. Like they made Tintin with it. And it would have been my job to call call people and say, look, your CG is shit. <laughs> have you seen Tintin? Don't you love his eyes? How would you like something that uncanny valley in your film with Andy Serkis? You know? Um, and I went in and I did the first interview and it was good. And I went okay. And I was charming. I was like, I'm never going to get the job. It was one of those kind of things. I was like, never going to get this job. Um, and it was good. It went well. I was chatting to this guy who was more the kind of the engineer telling me about the product, you know, and he was, that's, you know, uh, he seemed, I think because I just tried to make him feel at home because he was a bit awkward. Uh, it was just kind of, you know, we had, we had a good chat. It seemed I seemed like, you know, cool composure. Went in the second interview and their sales director there was a big American guy. Like, like big kind of like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? I'm just going to ask you direct questions. Is that all right? You know? So he's like, hey, thanks very much, man. I heard good things. And I was like, great. Thanks. Thanks, man. And because he's bigger than me, this was not a situation where I was able to flirt with this man. Uh, which would be my normal reaction to a man meeting a man bigger than me. In this case, I had to kind of be like, 
I had to kind of be like, I deserve to be here, you know? Um, so yeah, what's going on, man? So look, interview went great. I just want to know, like, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And it was the, it was the emotional equivalent of being incredibly upset and someone asking how you are, you know, you're like, Bleh! but it happened all internally. It's almost like someone, instead of him saying, where do you see yourself in 10 years? He said, you fucking fraud. That's <laughs> all I heard. Because I was like, I don't know. And then it was like, I don't know where I see myself in 10 years. Like, I'm hoping, I mean, realistically, I would be like, if I had the wherewithal, anyway, I'll tell you, I didn't talk for, and I'm not joking, seven minutes. I didn't speak. And he's like, you all right? And I didn't speak. I didn't speak. I didn't speak a word for seven minutes when this guy asked me this question. I didn't speak. I didn't say anything. And he's like, can you, do you want a glass of water? And I drank, the, and he gave me a glass of water. And then, and then after about seven minutes, I was like, I want to be the head of sales. I want to be, I want your fucking job. And I'm going to, and you can tell how good I'm going to be at it. You know, you can see how much I want it. Because I didn't speak for seven years because I just made up the idea that I want your job now. I want your job now. Give me your fucking job. No, just know, bro. Just know that there's another alpha in here who's coming for your ass. Right? That's all you need to know. <laughs> um, now, what I should have said, again, if I could quantum leap back into my body, which would be like, I love to work in sales. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. This would be one of the um, earlier roles that I've had. Uh, however, I know the product. I love the product. Ask me anything about the product. I love it. I would love to sell this with enthusiasm. And I would love in a couple of years, when I have a better lay of land, to come back and tell you exactly the answer to that question. Because at the moment, I just want to kind of stand on a bit of a on a bit of a molehill and get the lay of the land. I wouldn't say that. That's shit. <laughs> That's shit. But you know what I mean? Just like be honest and be like, I don't, I don't know what the current landscape is. I'll be perfectly honest. I don't know how, what, a, what a sales director fully oversees. But I'll tell you what I do know is that I'll fucking work my ass off for something that I really want to do. And if you give me even a modicum of support, I will surprise you with how enthusiastic uh, I can be and how successful I can be. But um, that's, you know, it's all this kind of hype and I just wasn't used to that. It's always like you're always having to. It's the same as the Irish oral is an interview. You can't ever say, no, I don't like that. No, I don't like that. It's a I love basketball. And I love watching TV programs, Marhampla Breaking Bad, Marhampla Match of the Day, Marhampla, you know, August is even long podcasts. It's Anam Le Doughboys, August, my brother, my brother and me, <laughs> August, Tony Cantwell's hit show podcast, you know, but. I, you just have to speak in in oodles of hype. Um, and just really fucking caught me, you know? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I'm like, I don't know. And you have asked me the question that I have not been confronting in my soul for the last five years working in piss and shitty jobs, you know? And you know what? It's a stupid fucking question. I could say right now, this is what I want to do. I don't see myself. I don't, I don't go for, do you know what I should have said? Do you know what I should have said? Grand answer? Be like, uh, where do I see myself? Um, owning my own house. Money is very important to me. And I tell you, I can make a lot more of it for you when it's something that I like, which is this product. <laughs> Again, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't know if any, you're always going to get conflicting job interviews. Don't, don't, 
ever. And I can't believe I was even trying to give some kind of, uh, you know, career advice. I might be able to tell you uh, what you can do if you want to start a job in voiceovers. I might be able to tell you what you can do if you have not done much stand up and you have to cram for an hour long special and you already have somewhat of an audience. That's what I can tell you. Uh, I cannot tell you how to move up the corporate ladder. I cannot tell you what to put on your CV. Um, so if you ever hear me saying that sort of shite, do be sure to message me and say, this fucking guy is talking out of his waz. <laughs> it's a weird one now. I, um, am I out of steam? Yes. Right, this has been a... I'm not even going to lie, this is a fucking all one take. I'm not, you know, this doesn't happen for me. I don't often come in here and... Um, and talk. <laughs> Sometimes I, uh, I've just been standing here. Maybe I should just do this more often. I don't know. Look, thank you very much. And I hope you guys are fucking ready for the 420. I keep hyping it up. I'm really nervous about it. <laughs> I'm really nervous about this 420 episode because I really enjoyed the last one. And I think I have too many things to talk about. Anyway, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, and thank you for, at least for now, having allowing this to be my job and not having to go into interviews and not having to hype up and chat shite. Thank you so much and I'll see you next week.